You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Katie Huffman, and you're listening to, and the award goes to. It's a look back at Broadway's most magical night And all of the winners reminisce with delight With their talent and brilliance, they always impress And the Tony goes to my special guest Have you ever dreamed of winning a Tony Award? Did you ever practice your Tony acceptance speech in the bathroom mirror? Did you grow up watching the Tony Awards every year? Do you have a collection of Tony Award shows on VHS tape that you refuse to throw out? Well, then this is the podcast for you. Every week, I interview your favorite Tony Award winners, and together we go down memory lane as my guests share intimate and never-before-shared details about their Tony experience. By the end of every episode, you're going to feel like you just won a Tony. Welcome to And the Tony Goes To. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Welcome today's Tony winner, Katie Huffman. And the 2001 Tony is awarded to Katie Huffman. <laughs> There's so many of you. I have been practicing this speech since I was about eight years old. Now I can't remember what to say. Um, God, Mel Brooks genius, Susan Stroman, the genius, uh, Nathan Lane, and my sweet Leo, Matthew Broderick. I just, it's such a privilege and a pleasure every single night. My husband for having foresight and loving me and my, the entire cast, it is so wonderful. And our designers and our collaborators and, oh, it's just great. This is great. Um, uh, I, I have to thank Laura and Cindy for getting me through it every night. The faculty of Gata, the uh, uh, my mother and my brothers, and and um, 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 no, I'm forgetting saying Vinnie Liff for remembering me. And I just love everybody. Thank you so much, Katie Huffman. Oh, what a dork! But you're my dork. <laughs> I'm all yours, girl. Can you just share whatever came through your mind while you were listening to that incredible speech? Yeah, it made me a little sweaty. <laughs> Is the heat on in your house right now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a little, that's very interesting to hear that again. Um, yeah, and to think about not being married anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, I remembered um, 
you know, and my name was called, I remember a lot of things, but I remember, you know, if you go up there, you don't forget to kiss your husband. And I literally like stood up, sat down, kissed my husband and got up again, you know, cause you just don't want to forget the, the right protocol. Right. Um, it's interesting cause I've only ever seen it. So listening to it is, is different, but yeah, I mean, it brings back so much stuff. My short platinum blonde hair, my $1.2 million worth of Harry Winston jewels. Pamela Dennis made me a gown and asked if she could dress me that night, which was like, wow. uh, yeah, sure. You know, doing a matinee that day, having 45 minutes to get ready and get over to Radio City. Um, yeah, there's a lot that comes back. Shoot. Well, I want to just, for the one listener who may not know, Katie won for a show called The Producers. Uh, that that was the, the role of Ula. Um, her co-stars were Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, among a host of other incredibly talented people. And, you know, for those of us who were lucky enough to be in New York at the time, The Producers was an incredible Broadway sensation and it was impossible to get a ticket for. And, uh, it was, uh, the who's who, like I, the night I went, Julia Roberts was to my right and someone even more famous was to my left. And that was just what it was every night. And I guess what I'd love to know, because I have so many questions for you, especially about your look. If anyone hasn't seen the show and goes online and looks at photographs of Katie in this play, so much of of Ula is also, my memory is of that incredible white dress. All of the things that went into creating this, um, this, this long lasting iconic woman that you won an award for playing and creating. Well, I tell you, I mean, it's, yeah, it was quite, it was really fun. It was super, super fun. Um, and of course, you know, you start rehearsing a new musical before you meet with designers, right? You know, they sort of need to see what you're doing. So when it came to the, particularly the dress, uh, William Ivy Long could see that I, well, I'm doing a back walkover off of a desk and landing in the splits. So it's not just a dress, you know, it needs to be something to do gymnastics in. Right. And it needs to look like a dress. So he got a bathing suit, like a wrap bathing suit. And as a, as the um, pattern, and that seemed to be best uh, for the look of the dress. You know, it could still look like a dress. And then he just wrapped uh, the, the skirt part and knotted it. You know, the great thing working with designers is you can just stand there in front of a mirror and they just make it look exactly right for you my body. Right. You know, which so, is, that, so that was a two-piece costume. No, it was a one-piece costume that they created with two pieces. Got it. Got you it. Know, because they built a whole new, you know, they that the, the bathing suit and the wrap were just the mock-up event. And then they go build the real thing. Okay. Yeah. And then of course there's Paul Huntley who did my wigs. And he taught me a lot about um what color platinum blonde works for me. Mm. You know, it's like you just think platinum blonde is platinum blonde, but a, for me, 
Uh, he built like, oh my God, I can't, I don't even know how expensive those wigs were. They are so beautiful and long and luxuriant. And, um, but I and looked so real, so real, like so many people, cause my hair was quite short back then. And, you know, I would almost get in trouble for being places after the show, except it'd be somebody else who had long hair. You know, it was like, right. I wasn't there. I was unrecognizable. Yeah. And I could walk out, the, I could walk out the stage door and most people didn't know who I was. Huh. Uh, but they, so he created an ashy, uh, my, my skin tone requires an ashy blonde as opposed to like a yellow blonde. So uh, this started out, I would imagine the way most new Broadway musicals. I mean, obviously this had been a film, but you're creating with the director, Susan Stroman and Mel Brooks, the, the musical first stage. And, yeah. and you, it began as a, a reading or a workshop. Is that right? Oh my gosh. Um, it began, I got a phone call at a time in my life when I had just driven across the country to move back to New York with my husband at the time. I had just been an understudy in Steel Pier mm. and that had closed. And now I was a performer. Uh, I just finished performing with Dame Edna. I was one of her Edna Etts. So, and I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anything. We, I was on strike for commercials. Like it was just like, all right, here wow. I am. I live yeah. in Jersey city where we bought a house because that was the only place we could afford to buy. And I get a phone call from Vinnie Liff. May he rest in peace. And he says, Hey, Katie, you know, Mel Brooks and Susan Stroman are wondering if you would consider reading the role of Ula for just a, just a reading uh, for backers of, you know, musical based on the producers. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, dancing around in a bikini. Because yeah. by this time, I'm in my 30s. And instead of saying that to Vinny, I say, yes. So back then in those days, he said, well, bring me all of your press stuff from the Will Rogers Follies. So I had to go across the river, hand him things in Manhattan because there was no internet at that time. And you know, so he were, was the casting director, and he's then yes. going to show all of this to Susan Stroman and Mel Brooks and the team. Exactly. Okay. And he did. And they said, okay, yeah, you're going to do this reading. So we spent four or five days rehearsing. You know, everything was brand spanking new. Of course, Mel had been thinking about his Academy Award winning movie for the past, you know, 50 years, whatever right. it was. right. Because the movie uh, was in the 60s and this was the early 2000s, right? Yes. Okay. It was 2000. It was April 9th, 2000 was our readings. And he had set the whole thing back a decade. So now we're doing it more 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. So it was very, my role particularly was very different than the role in the movie. Thank God, because she was 19 years old when she did it. Yes, Lee Meredith, <laughs> Lee I think Meredith. was her name, oh. yes. And of course, I got to meet her during this oh, whole thing, gosh, and she's yeah. still just perfection, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we rehearsed a few uh, days, and um, and then we did in, these, in a crappy studio that doesn't even exist anymore. Um, uh, we had all the chairs lined up with all the grumpy looking suits and Anne Bancroft was about three feet off my left knee. And we did this, the first reading and the audience is just blue in the face. They're so, they're laughing so hard, which never happens, you know, because they can be yeah. a tough audience. Yeah. And after that first reading, 
actually what I heard later from Mel was that um, Rocco Landisman came up to him after that first reading and said, uh, and offered him the St. James Theater on the spot. And then after the second reading, Mel came up to me and said, kid, when it goes, you're in. And, and, it, then, and he meant it. And he meant it. Go oh figure. Well, let's go back because you're walking into a room with Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane, the, yeah. the um, you know, quintessential Broadway comedy couple. And I can't recall now if that was the beginning of their comedy partnership or or one of many that had already happened. Can you recall where that marriage, that acting marriage uh, had begun? I think that was the beginning, but Matthew okay. was not involved in that first reading. Oh, who who did who was who was do, do we tell that kind of thing? I don't even know. Oh, well, um, you know, <laughs> but it was a, a a really lovely actor named Evan Pappas wrote read Leo Bloom. Okay, and but it was Nathan. What's that? But Nathan was there. Nathan was there. Uh, Gary Beach. Um, was Roger Bard part of that? Nope. It was Mario Cantone. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> uh, and but Jennifer Smith was there. Like there were a few people there who did end up in the Broadway cast. Um, but yeah, it was so that there. That was kind of one of the fun things for me was that I've been involved with it since the very first yeah. reading, the very first reading. And when and, you are at that very first reading, if you can recall, what? How does Susan Stroman, the great Susan Stroman, who directed it and also was the choreographer, which isn't always the case, um, what does she say to you guys? Like, what world does she create for you? And how does a Susan Stroman production begin on the first day? So you all know Uh, where you are. You're talking about the reading or the the show? The the reading, even. Just the beginning of that process. You know, it's it's funny because Mel Brooks... Uh, creates a Mel Brooks environment, you know, and I don't remember ever not understanding that comedy environment. Right. Um, So I think that, you know, the smart thing that the first thing is to cast it well. Yeah. You know, with people who are just willing to live in that world. And then once it was Matthew and Nathan, and I, again, I, I'm sitting in Susan's apartment with me, Susan, Mel, Matthew, and Nathan. That's it. Like <laughs> that's who's sitting so there crazy. reading it for the first time with Matthew. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, uh, and we really it, it was one of those things where Matthew and Nathan knew what it was, and they cast the other principals, I think, very well. Mm-hmm. And then it just sort of infused all the way through. The smartest thing was, you know, Susan's so smart about how to make something look like a big Broadway musical. Right. You know, how right. to encourage that. And, um, yeah, I think she just she stayed out of our way for the most part. And... Um, and then could just help us make it look spectacular, you know? As someone who was obviously spectacularly gifted, but hadn't yet had all the opportunities that Nathan and Matthew had um, up until that point, did you feel like you could just jump in with your ideas and and kind of 
be spontaneous with them? Were you intimidated? I mean, Ula is such a sexy, confident, um, intelligent, crafty person. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, and held her own completely, if not more so, as as a trio, the three of you. It felt like singing in the rain, right? Like it had that kind of effortless power when the three of you were together. How did you Thank feel? You. You're welcome. Um, you know, both those fellas, as different as they are, I mean, the polar opposites, you know, Nathan comes in with a clean script, nothing highlighted, no note taking, and knows what he's going to do. He has mm-hmm. everything memorized. And, and Matthew, you're not sure if he's ever cracked open the script when he, when he gets there. You know, it's like, yeah. it's all very spontaneous. Yeah. So what happened really, as I think back is... Matthew just delighted Nathan. Like he just was so delighted with the stuff that Matthew would come up with. And I was really so surprised at how funny Matthew was. You know, mm-hmm. I, I knew how funny Nathan was, but I'd never, you know, I'd seen Matthew in movies mostly. Um, but he was super funny before, during, and after rehearsals you know it's like he's just super funny so I remember the sort of delight with Nathan and the delight they had toward each other and again that just loosens the whole room when Mm -hmm. your stars are that happy yeah there was just a real happiness in the room and again it was that the the world made sense to me you know that was a world I I just I understood the rhythms of that comedy so I don't remember being nervous about my acting. I was much more nervous about what to say to them between, you know, right, as people. Right. It's like, hi. Right. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I love Ferris yeah. Bueller. It was oh really good. Is it your day off? <laughs> <laughs> you know, all yeah. that stuff. Yes. Singing Hakuna Matata whenever you can. You exactly. Know? But obviously at some point that goes away and you become colleagues. Yeah. Well, Really, yeah, and and those guys are theater beasts, right? They're just theater beasts. They do not come into a room expecting to be treated um, with kit gloves or to be kowtowed to. Um, uh, you know, the only the only time I go, I remember driving um, Nathan a little crazy because I just kept on. There was a blip in my scene where I was like, "What was that line?" And he would just sort of twitch whenever I'd be like a beat behind mm. and I and I finally said yeah, stop it he goes eh, some people have perfect perfect pitch you know right um, so he works extremely hard mm-hmm. as long as you're working hard he's happy Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The dance that you do. I mean, if you if you got it, flaunt it. Um, yeah. It is, you know. Silly. It's silly, <laughs> but it's hilarious. Um, the dance that goes with that is hilarious and really sexy. It's all the things. Um, how much of that was a combination of you and Stro working on it together? And how much of it was her creating it and teaching it to you step by step? Well, I tell you, the whole thing was a collaboration. Even mm-hmm. in the um, when I went to my first rehearsal uh, for the reading with um, Glenn. Uh, okay, there goes the name. I'm in my 50s, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Oh boy. The Glenn Miller band. What are you doing? <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, it'll, it'll pop in my mind and I'll suddenly yell it okay. out. Okay. That sounds good. Um, but I've, and I've only worked with them a few times since, yes. you know, yes. that's all. Yes. Um, Fair enough. But this is a lot of pressure, this podcast. I get it. <laughs> I know I should have studied. I should have studied. Um, uh, what well, was his position on the show? He was the one writing down all the music for Mel. He was, okay. you know, he was, uh, he was creating the dance numbers. He was, you know, he uh, he was he was helping Mel write down all the songs because Mel wrote all the songs. Right. So he, he would call uh, Glenn and go, "Hey, Glenn, that face, that face, that wonderful face," you know. And then Glenn yeah. would have to write that down. Um, <laughs> that was that's a great job. I well, I tell you. Glenn Kelly, hello. Uh, yeah, and he's such a beautiful musician and such a sweet man. Um, but the very first time we rehearsed it, he said, "Now, Katie, don't worry about it. It's a throwaway song. Mel knows it's a throwaway song, so just sing it." And I was like, in my head, going, "Mel, I don't, I don't want to sing a throwaway song." So no. I had sort of made a, I had made a whole story in for myself to sing it where, you know, it's, it's her first audition in New York. So she starts out quite uh, shy and quiet and then gains confidence throughout until finally I just opened my mouth and belted the lights mm-hmm. out. And mm-hmm. Glenn was like, yeah. And I think it was actually Glenn who came up with now Ula dance. You know, those things were not in there. Uh, so firstly, the whole song was a bit of a collaboration um, just to create the story of it. And then Susan and I had worked together, but I was an understudy when I worked with her. So she wasn't setting anything on me. So it was very much collaborative. Like what, what can I even do? You know, she did, wasn't that familiar with what I could right, do. Right. So I'm like, well, I think I can do a flip off the desk and land in the splits, you know? Um, you did. Yeah. So it was, uh, she definitely had the shape and she knew what she wanted. And then any great choreographer, and I've been extremely fortunate to work with a few, mm-hmm. um, they make it suit your dancer, your performer, you know. You know, that show, the way Hamilton 
you know, is in more recent history. I mean, I, I joked about Julia Roberts to my right and someone more famous to my left, probably a president. Um, you must have had a who's who backstage every night. I mean, it was because not only was it so wonderful, it was so joyous and so intoxicating that I'm sure people wanted to come backstage and keep the party going. Um, were there people who you got to meet at that time that were exciting for you? Oh my God. Constantly. Especially that, that first year when Nathan and Matthew were still in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like nightly. But again, I, and my my dressing room was at the stage door. It was on stage level at the stage door. Oh wow! It had, yeah, so I could hear everybody coming in, and then they would usually go upstairs to Nathan and downstairs to Matthew. Mm -hmm. But I could always like pop out my head if I wanted to, you know. Yeah. So who but would again, you pop your head out for? Well, I popped my head out for Harvey Corman was the <gasps> most most important. <laughs> Because I was certain I was going to marry Harvey Corman growing up. And he's the literally the only uh, celebrity who recognized me as Ula because of my short hair. Like, in, I opened the door because I could hear him. And he just opened his arms and said, Ula. And I like, oh, I said, oh, my God. You know, one of my geeky moments. I, I was certain I was going to marry you. He was like, shh, you know, cheese it. My kids are here. But... <laughs> Uh, he, Did you uh, ever keep your wig on a little longer just so that you wouldn't have that moment of being like, I, I was, I was Ula. I actually was. <laughs> no, like, but sometimes there was, there were a couple of big time directors backstage who were chit chatting. I'm like, hi, I'm Katie Hoffman. And they're like, mm hmm. And I wanted to say, assholes. I yeah. just, I just, funny thing. I was just in a show tonight. <laughs> you just saw me in a show. Like, Isn't that funny? Not five minutes ago. <laughs> but anyway, and then the, the really beautiful, there were so many beautiful moments, but another time I opened up my door and invited Robin Williams in with his son. Oh, oh wow. my God. I mean, just the sweetest man and his son is a doppelganger and wow. uh, you know, just, just to have, just be alone. He's, you know, humbly asking questions his son's like looking around and like, right. oh my god I'm just in a room with Robin right. Williams and his right. son Such greatness yeah yeah you know when you're in a show like that it's so it's so hard to know sometimes which parts are going to be plucked out um by Tony nominators when I saw you in the show it was such a no-brainer to me that that would happen for oh, you um you. because you were the most compelling, gorgeous, exciting creature on that stage. The only um, woman. <laughs> but, you know, it, it would have been heartbreaking had you not at least been nominated. I mean, really, you would have felt awful. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that would be, I mean, 80 women with walkers yeah. outstanding, and they were all fantastic. But did you have that expectation as you were doing it? You know, for those of you who don't know, Katie had been nominated for Will Rogers Follies like 10 years. Every yeah. 10 years you enjoy. Every 10 years. Yeah, I do pretty well on Broadway. You do another Not one, my love. 10 years, yeah. Um, so was there an expectation? Having been through it before, did you kind of go, okay, I'm going to wake up this time and kind of... Well, there was definitely that wake up moment. You're absolutely yeah. right. Because 10 years earlier, I was in my 20s and utterly oblivious, was mm -hmm. not expecting it at all and had had not been nominated for anything else. Right. Whereas when 
when it happened to all of us in the producers, we were all getting nominated for the Outer Critics Circle Award, the drama, uh, the drama, what do we get? Drama Death yes. Award, yes. Yeah. So and, we and you were winning. Yeah, we were getting those Everything. nominations and winning. Yes. I mean, it was, it was a little crazy. Yeah. It was a little crazy. So, and I hired a publicist. You know, I just played it differently than I had 10 years prior. I was a little more present, a little older. Uh, you know, I. It, it's like, well, it, this doesn't come around every Right. It comes around maybe once a decade. Right. I'm going to be tired and enjoy it. Yeah. And just be more present. And I tell you, because it was such a crazy hit, it made the the the, um, the whole cast extremely close because we had, there was such a hurricane going on, like just a tornado going on around us. And we were just sitting, sitting in the eye of it, like what is going on? So it was like the safe place to be was, uh, together, you right. know, as, as a cast. Cause once you went out there and started doing interviews and all that stuff, it was like, it was a just crazy. So, um, you know, we were all going through it together. And really, so quite fortunately, literally everyone who could have been nominated was nominated. Yeah. So there was no one left out. Um, but yeah, it was, um, I, I guess I have to confess that, sure, yeah. I mean, it would have been a huge disappointment to not be nominated because mm-hmm. that's how the trajectory was going. Right. Yeah. Right. And did you guys, when you say hang out, like I feel like I remember seeing you guys out at Angus or wherever people were hanging out post-show at the time. Um, were you social with each other or were you too exhausted after work to go out? Uh, no, absolutely. We, we were out a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I maybe, I mean, I used to force myself to lay down for eight hours a night, but I maybe slept four or five hours. It was such a high, a, an adrenaline rush. Um, to go through that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely. It was a big old love fest. You know, we all were doing our best to hang out as much as we possibly could. And we had friends at other shows and yeah, I mean, please, I, I was still young enough. Now I think about, Oh, how would I do it? It'd be like grandma would be like, all right, good night kids. You know? Yeah. yeah I got to do it again tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I need these 15 hours to get you know, enough sleep. Not only did you become, you know, Broadway famous, you were one of the few actresses who then went on to recreate your play, your role in a show on a TV show, because then you're on Curb Your Enthusiasm with Indeed. Larry David. Like, that's so crazy. How long, were you still in the show in New York when that happened? I was, yes. I was. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, well, uh it was interesting. It was a ball. I mean, I've never had an easier, more fun job than, uh, than curb your enthusiasm. Cause you don't even have to learn any lines. I love that. Yeah. But you know, I got a couple days off. I went to Los Angeles and shot some scenes and had a freaking ball. Was he literally, was it, did it line up with him doing the producer's in LA, was that a real thing or is that a made up thing? Totally made up. Oh, okay. I cannot okay. imagine him doing the okay. show. But boy, oh boy, people wanted tickets to that show. People were coming up. I mean, it would sell As out for places. We shot some in Los Angeles where I, I, that's where Martin Short and 
uh, Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander yeah. were playing it, so they shot some of that show and us in that theater or them in that theater and then we shot again in the St. James with the Broadway cast uh with Larry and Schwimmer playing the parts right that was that was in New York so we shot in both places so Um, fun so fun fun. I mean I can't even tell you how much fun that show is it just like those guys Larry David Larry Charles you know Bob Whitey all those guys Jane uh What's his name? <laughs> Good old what's the his Glenn name? Miller band? <laughs> the Glenn Miller band. We're all there. <laughs> love him. I but love that all, band. <laughs> They're gonna go places. Let me tell you. I need to just ask you, like, just Mel Brooks memories, like things he said to you while you were creating the role or during rehearsal, or Obviously, what a confident way to start something with like someone going, when this goes, kid, you're going with it. Like it's what greater stamp of approval could there be? But story shared or or things he told you about the part specifically that that resonated for you. Well, you know, he really was the writer. You know, he really did take that that role. So Is he, he in rehearsal all the time? He and Tom Meehan were in rehearsal, uh, but quietly. You know, there was no reason for them to jump in. He was not directing it. Mm-hmm. But if something needed to be done, you know, they would absolutely interact with us. The funner part was going out and having meals with him and him telling us about Zero Mostel and, you know, and, and ribbing uh, Lee Meredith, you know, yeah, go wake up. Go wake up zero. Yeah. Go, go, we didn't, you know, and then zero chasing Lee around the room. And, right. You know, he had it, oh, the fun, the really fun uh, stories were about people like Madeline Kahn um, and Jean. Uh, you know, you know, Jean Wilder. <laughs> Wilder. Jean Wilder in the Glenn Miller band. He was the lead singer. Thank you. Yeah. You know, that That's guy. We yes. also got to meet. We also got to meet Gene Wilder backstage. Uh, was, was he cool. very, was he very shy? I always picture him as being, or or not specifically. I would not call him shy at all. I would call him quiet mm-hmm. and so generous, mm. you know, and particularly he went down to Matthew's room and Matthew relayed to us his conversation with Gene Wilder and just how incredibly sweet and special it was. But I wouldn't call him shy now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, quiet. yeah. And was Anne Bancroft around uh, from All time, the time to time? All wow. the time. Oh, what a she legend. Was, you know, sometimes I felt like because I was the only woman, um, you know, I, you know I, amongst the boys, I, I would hear it through the grapevine that Anne would be like, eh, Katie should do blah, blah, blah. You know, so there were like two or three times where I got uh, notes and I heard that it was through Annie. So mm-hmm. I, you know, she was, she became kind of my angel and she uh-huh. found out that I was half Italian, you know, so, ah, uh, yeah, oh, so you're half Italian. That's the talented part, you know. <laughs> Wow. She, yeah. And she told the story of how she fell in love with Mel. And, you know, please, it was just like a constant. I got, I met through, I met Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward and Angus, you know, through them. It, it was just amazing. It was, wow. I'm getting exhausted just remembering everything that went on. In yeah. That. It yeah. Was, 
so constant. Yeah. Well, Katie Huffman, that is a performance that when I, and right now there are many days where I'm not feeling as cheerful as, Uh. as I have in the past, just putting on that original Broadway cast album and hearing you on it. I mean, there are so many things I could share with our listeners about what you have meant to me in my personal life and ways in which you got me through so many um, dancing things. (laughs) Alana Levine, I wish this was that podcast. All I want to talk about is Velvet Elvis. And you teaching me to be the best stripper I could be. Um, before we go, um, I just have to ask you a couple of questions. It's something that you will know the answers to every one of that, I am sure. Um, but are you ready? Are you ready, ready for this lightning round? Okay. Uh, who was with you? Who did you give your Tony tickets to, uh, on Tony night? Uh, my husband. That's it. One <laughs> ticket. I don't think they gave us a whole lot of tickets. Now you'd be like, I need 25. Yeah, but they're they're pretty stingy. I remember, yeah. you know, a lot of these things, they were like, uh, only the only the award nominee gets a ticket. And we were like, well, then we're not coming. Yes. You know, like, I'm yeah. not going to sit in here by myself. That seems awful. Okay, so you brought your husband at the time. Yeah. Um, who gave you your Tony? Who was the presenter? Uh, Doris... Robert? Doris Roberts. Yeah. Everybody loves Raymond's Doris Roberts. Everybody loves Raymond's Doris Roberts. How sweet is that? That's really sweet. She's so yeah. uh beloved. What beloved and again a theater beast. Yeah. You know, an actual theater beast. Yeah. yeah. People will write in so angry with me that the credit I used was everybody loves Raymond instead of her. <laughs> 40 Broadway credits. Well, um, truly, truly. Like, what do people know? Tell what me. Are they? Exactly. Um, now you mentioned it earlier, uh, the, the idea of the diamonds and the, and the dress, but tell me a little bit about what you wore and, and how you felt in what you were wearing. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I have this brother who's a writer and he's, he's a real, uh, individual person he is just a unique person and I said you know I have to go to the Tony's like call Pamela Dennis I'm like okay he was that specific he was that specific he's like that's who you're gonna go with that's who's gonna make your dress wow and I'm like okay I'll call Pamela Dennis um yeah then she made me this super sexy plunging neckline plunging back uh did you feel beautiful Oh my God. It was, uh, you know, I was in such great shape at that time, you know, Mm -hmm. doing eight shows a week, really, it's the eight a week diet too. You know, you just are. Booze and dancing. Booze and dancing. (laughs) That's the diet. classes. I mean, it was just like a constant, you know. So I guess I felt great. Um, because I didn't have any time to think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and then Harry Winston, you know, these guys coming in with handcuffed to their briefcases and um, just. Did you have a bodyguard all night? Was I it- did. I had a bodyguard, John, who we lost when I won. Uh, and then I had to perform right after I won. So apparently he was wandering around, and my dresser and I are looking, you know, I have to take off. million or $1.4 million worth of diamonds. We just stare at them and she just scoops them up and puts them in her apron. (laughs) Until, you know, 
until John comes back. Wait, yeah. until, until John finds his way. Yeah. What was it like? This is this was not meant to be in the lightning round question, but it's so rare that I talk to someone who won and then performed versus yeah. vice versa. Yeah. What was that like to win your Tony, get out of the Pamela Dennis, get into the William <laughs> Ivy Long? Oh my and god. Perform as a winning Tony winner. It was hilarious. Cause okay. Here's the thing. We won every single Tony Award we could possibly win. Right. Which I think it's 12. Yeah. So we had already just won everything. So everybody's coming backstage to, you know, we were seeing the ensemble members and their costumes. We're all, you know, Nathan and Matthew and Gary and Roger and, you know, Brad, we're all getting into costume and just like giddy, right? It's like, what just happened? Just yeah. won everything. Yeah. Come to talk to people after that like wasn't that the greatest tony awards ever and everybody else is like no you won everything and it was no fun for anybody no fun else at all. <laughs> <laughs> like oh right great right. if you're not in the producers not as much fun got it oh, note to yeah. self Got it. Yeah, I'll just right. shut up now. Thanks. Yes. And then you get back into your Pamela Dennis and you put the diamonds back on and you're Tony yeah. Winner again. And then you go to more parties and you end up, you know, getting home. You know, I mean, I, I gave back the, the jewels, I believe, after the, the first party, you know, right. the formal party. I was like, please just take these away. I cannot have this responsibility hanging around my ears and my and then I and then we all went to like Scotty and Mark's loft got into jeans and t-shirts mm-hmm. and yeah, got home at like seven o'clock in the morning. Scott Whitman yes and and uh yeah Scott and, and Mark Shaman so so where's your Tony yeah she's currently on my mantle nice so you can see her every day you can you can visit with her yeah funny you should say it because I didn't always have her out mm. Um, and then something really crappy happened in this business. Imagine that. Imagine something. I've never heard happened. a story I, like that. I, I know. I couldn't believe it. Weird. I was like, I'm getting that girl out and I'm going to look at her every single day because you know what? That happened. Yeah. And no one can take that away from you ever. Heck no. Heck no. Wow. Katie Huffman, you are one of my heroes. I am oh. in awe of everything you do. And I am so, so thankful to have had you on the show today. And here's to future episodes where we celebrate more wonderful performances and accolades and and your heart, which is equal to your incredible talent. Ilana, I love you so much. And I am just awed at you and what you're doing with your two podcasts and just everything. It's just amazing. I oh. love your how your gorgeous kids and husband, your life is, I don't know. I I just love you and I miss you. I miss you too. Well, here's to seeing each other soon. And thank you for being on the pod today. Thank you. And the Tony Goes To is produced by Alan Seals for the Broadway Podcast Network. The music and lyrics for the theme song were written by Georgia Famusa. Theme song orchestration by Alexander Sage Oyen. Episodes are edited by Derek Gunther. Thank you to Parody Bill for the graphics. And please don't forget to go to the iTunes show page and rate and review the show. Thanks for listening. Excerpt from the Tony Awards used with permission of Tony Awards Productions. And the Tony 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.